Hello there, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of The Sheehan Show here on Sherdog.com. Uh, and today I'm going to be looking ahead to Bellator 2 AS2 as Gegard Mousasi again defends his middleweight title, this time against Johnny Eblen over in the Mohegan Sun in Uncasville, Connecticut, uh, USA, which has become a bit of a home for Bellator. Um, even prior, prior to the pandemic, but especially obviously during uh, the pandemic, they had lots of... Uh, fights there they're kind of basically based out, out of there now and i know scott coker calls home to uh to san jose and dublin as well as well at times uh, as i asked him the last time uh, he, he was over in dublin but um back to the mohegan sun and it's back for the first time in a good while for uh for bellator mixed martial arts uh, i saw ariel actually tweeting about it the other day and i think he made a good point that bellator are kind of doing these monthly show shows now and that's a good way to go at it and i i would tend to agree with him uh on that you know, we've complained, you know, you, you basically don't have time to look forward to a UFC show now that there's there's so many shows and maybe you get to like Thursday, Friday and then you start to look forward to it or something like that once you've kind of forgot about uh, the, you know, we were talking about Valentina Shashinko last week and, and uh, you know, the, the light heavyweight title fight and... By the time you know the the weekend the, the PFL fights last week come around or the uh, you know the the uh, whatever UFC fight night was on and the whatever night, it's it's kind of we haven't had time to breed. But for Bellator, you know, there's all that that all still exists because we still have all the UFC. But at least for Bellator themselves, it not it's not like oh you know we UFC Bellator UFC Bellator UFC Bellator. If okay we have might might have UFC 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 but then UFC Bellator. That actually makes Bellator a, a better prospect for me anyway, and I'd say for a lot of people too, that, um, you know, too, too much of a good thing can be can be too much too. But uh, I, I like this, and the fact that Bellator have another card, I think it's towards the end of uh, July, if I'm not mistaken, it was actually only announced maybe yesterday or the day before, I think, uh, officially, or, or a few of the fights were announced anyway, and then they're over to... Uh, uh, to Dublin, actually, they might have. Did they have one card before that? They might. They might even have two cards. It's Bellator two eight five, I think, in Dublin. So they might have a couple of cards. But that's in September anyway. So we've another three months away. So yeah, that that kind of makes sense as well with the the one card a month. So uh, I like that, and I hope Bellator keep doing that, and I hope they keep making their cards special. As Ariel said as well, ma- making their cards strong, like. Uh, I was talking about it on the podcast the other day, and, and I'll be talking about it as obviously it comes up to the card and interviewing people as well. But uh, it's. It's not hard to make the um, uh, to have the discussion or to make the argument that this upcoming card in Dublin is the best card that's ever been put on in Dublin. Like almost UFC Dublin back in the day included the one with McGregor and all before McGregor became a champion. Because this card is is really good. It's really really good. A top level card with Vincent Henderson in the main event against Peter Queeley, and then we have Joel Romero on the card against Melvin Manhoff and you know Leah Lee McCourt's on the card in the top level fight. Loads of great fights and I'm really really looking forward. But that is for another day. Uh today we're talking about Bellator 282 uh, and I'm going to break down Maybe five or six of the top fights here. There's some really, really good fights uh, on this card, and I'm looking forward to it. As always with Bellator, you have a lot of the the kind of the the good up and comers on the undercards here, and you have a few of them here. I suppose Cody Law would be the standout one. He has been very impressive in his last couple. He's fighting uh, James Gonzalez here, uh, Lucas Brennan, who's also six and all the same as Cody Law. He's fighting jo- Johnny Soto, who's four and all, uh, and you've Richard Palencia, who's ten and all, fighting Marcus Brino, who is uh, fourteen uh, and two. And this is the first fight for Palencia uh, in. 
um, in Bellator. He was the uh, was he the LFA champion? He was ten and over in LFA anyway, uh, fighting uh, fighting around there. Um, and you know, had, took a, obviously a few years off during the pandemic and all that. Came back won these two fights, and they'll be looking. You know, he could be one of the next guys coming through, fighting out of the MMA lab. You know, I just mentioned Benson Henderson, and a lot of their guys have done good stuff in Bellator over the last while. So I look forward to hearing uh, seeing him fight. Um, uh, Bryce Logan against uh, Mandel Nalo. As well. I've seen Nalo fight uh, a few times in Bellator and have been, you know, impressed with him. He's a lot of finishes. All eight of his wins have come inside the distance. He fought uh, Nick Brown last time out, which is kind of a prospect versus prospect uh, fight. And I suppose this one will be the same against uh, Bryce Logan, 32 years of age now. And okay, he lost his last uh, couple after coming over from LFA against George Carcanyon and, and Mike Hamill. He's fighting that level of competition I suppose you know it's he's going to be a good fighter and he's uh, uh, you know even if he loses those two fights you know he's still that is the start of level he's on so that's a big fight for him uh, to win it as it is for his opponent uh, did I mention Dan Moran Killis Mata Dan Moran another guy who, I think he was ranked even at one stage in that lightweight division uh, Alare, uh, Alejandra Lara against Ilare Joanna who, who is the Arya Stark character uh, that should be fun Sabah Homassi been around for a long time against uh, Medan Ka uh, and uh, then we get towards the uh, the top of the card uh, and I'm not sure actually I, I don't know if the card exactly uh, how it's laid out yet but it's, it's going to be a lot of cards here Bellator usually do four fight main cards on there or maybe five fight there's a lot of fights here that really could be uh, could be on the main card, and I really I really like a lot of these fights here. I suppose first one, Anatoly Tokov against Mohamed Abdullah. Uh, Tokov, you know, been around for a good while now. Abdullah, thirty six years years of age, ten and five in his career. Uh, you know, coming out of. Um, you know, coming out of, uh, I, I think he's fighting out of Sweden, if I'm not mistaken, or am I gone mad? Maybe, no, maybe not. He had a few fights in Sweden. Maybe that, maybe that was it. Uh, you know, he's fought Sabah Massey and lost him before in uh, outside of Bellator, but this is his first fight coming into Bellator, and it's a, it's a tough one. I, I think they, was. I'm pretty sure that he was supposed to fight someone else here, Anatoly Tokov, and that fight uh, ended up falling through, and this is what's happening, but Tokov is on a great run here now. He's won six in a row, uh, all in, since signing for Bellator after losing to Ramzan Imaev uh, in M1, and we know how, how good he is, even though, okay, he didn't lo- he didn't win against Jack Della Madalena last week, but he's a very, very good fighter, and, you know, Tokov went on a massive run before that as well with some good names on uh, on his ledger as well and you know uh, at that weight class in Bellator uh, I think he's going to be running through a lot of lads there and he's going to be getting right to the top very, very soon. And I suppose a lot of people may, may remember him for that mad Fedor card back in the day where the, that completely biased or unbiased, should I say, uh, commentator was just saying, Anatoly Tokov, Anatoly Tokov. But he's a very good fighter. I've analysed him a few times in these uh, previews and a couple of these fights have actually fallen out, I think. But however, he is, I would say, very strong, very tough, hits very hard. 23 of his 30 wins have finished inside this and seven of them submissions, 16 of them KOs. And he is just a, a straight-up boxer who will punch the face off you. If the fight goes to the ground, if you go to the ground, he'll come down on top of you and he'll rain down big shots and he'll try to get you out of there. He is a, he's a fighter I always like to watch, to be honest, and I always enjoy watching, and uh, this should be another enjoyable one out of him here. Um, Katzengano against Pam Sorensen then. Uh, 
it's it's a very interesting fight for Katzingan, all right? Because just looking at her here, she's 39 years of age now. She fought against Olivia Parker in her last fight. She won by a armbar. Um, and she fought Gabrielle fought Gabriel Holloway before that back in, uh, in 2020. So it's over a year again since Kat has been out of the cage. And it just feels like... I don't, I'm not sure the reason I'm sure well I, I'm, I just said I'm not sure and then I said I'm sure but it was was it an injury or probably something like that was she waiting for Cyborg I don't know but her last opponent wasn't the best fighter in the world she finished her a bit quickly like I think if you were um, you know a, a meritocracy, meritocracy sort of person when talking about your MMA and talking about who should get the next title shot you would like to have seen Cat fight uh, you know, a Pam Sorensen, and we're, we're getting that, but maybe a Liam McCourt, maybe a Sinead Kavanagh or someone like that to get herself towards the title. And that's what we have here, but it feels like it's been a bit of a long time coming. Um, and so long, in fact, that maybe they would have been better off just not doing it at all. But here we are, and they are doing it, and she is fighting Pam Sorensen uh, this weekend. Um, Pam obviously lost to, uh, to Arlene Blinko last time out. Uh, but she had a couple of good wins before that, including one over Caitlin Young, look, who looked very good in her fight uh, with uh, with Julia Budd over in uh, in PFL there not too long ago. So that's a pretty good win. She's beaten Jan Finney as well, be- beaten Jessica Rose Clark. I actually watched that fight today, the Jessica Rose Clark fight, just to kind of uh, get a look at Pam Sorensen again. And uh, look. What I would say is, right, I, I think if Kat Zingano is at her very best, and the cat we know back in the day who, you know, took Amanda Nunes all the way and beat her, and is a very good athlete, strong, very good on the ground, good submissions, very flexible and all of that, and uh, I, I think she beats Pam Sorensen all day, to be honest. Pam is not as good an athlete, I don't think. Very tough, very hard-nosed. You know, she she's only been finished once in her career, um, in uh, okay, it's only thirteen fights, but still, in all, she's only been finished once. I, I just don't know if Cat is that. It's still at that point in her career. You know, is Cat Zingano still the person who w- was able to go in there against Amanda Nunes and give her hell? Probably not. Let's be honest. And that that's that's probably an unfair question to ask of anyone at thirty six years of age, when or at what was it thirty nine years of age when they've had a career like Katzingano has had and the injuries and everything like that. But I asked that question because what happens if she wins this fight? Well, what happens if she wins this fight is she fights Chris Cyborg. So I think it's a fair question to ask, you know, and going into this fight and fighting Pam Sorensen, it just feels like it's a necessary fight, but also one that might go very badly for for Bellator in general. Because I, I think Bellator would love to have um, Katzingano in a title fight against Chris Cyborg. And that's not a negative of Bellator. They should be promoting their fighters. They should want the big name fighters in the big fights. I've no, I, I'm definitely not criticizing them for that whatsoever. But still, uh, you know... Me and me and my like my uh, <laughs> my non meritocracy loving kind of like ah just just push this person into a title fight. I probably would have just stuck her straight in there with Chris Cyborg and let the cards fall how it may now. The cards mightn't fall how it may very well, but there we go anyway. Um, look, I, I'll say it again. Uh, breaking down this fight, and looking at this fight, if Zingana comes in there. Goes forward, has a bit of her power left, even can throw in a few takedowns, get the fight to the ground. I think she'll win it. I think she'll beat Pam Sorensen. And I, I do think she'll win it. That's how I think 
and that's how I do think it will go. But I'm not sure if she's still at that point of her career. I'm not sure if she is what she is or is what she was. I know I know what Pam Sorensen is. I know she's as good as she she is as good as she'll ever be. Uh, you know, as I said again, a tough fighter who goes forward, a good clinch, and all of that. And if you're not at a certain level, she will beat you. You know, she absolutely will beat you. So if Katzengano, that's that's the key here. If Katzengano's not at that level on uh, what is it Friday, Saturday night, whatever it is, she will get beaten. And uh, it's it's an interesting one to uh, to watch out for. Um, next in on the card, we have Bryn Primus against Alexander Shabley. Uh, I always say it whenever I talk about Shabley in these previews that if you've beaten Alfie Davis, you're a good fighter. And he did beat Alfie Davis. He beat uh, Bobby King uh, in a unanimous decision in his last fight out. And those are his two Bellator wins and two very, very strong wins. Uh, you know, he has 10 knockouts and seven submissions uh, in his career. But he's gone in there against Primus now who... You know, just pulling up his record, but he, he seems to be fighting a little more regularly, but having said that, it's October last year since he last fought, so what, it's uh, eight months, but still no, that's a little bit better than, than he usually fights, and he beat Benson Anderson in that fight, and a lot of people thought maybe he would get a title shot coming out of that, but no, he's fighting Shabley here, maybe if he beats Shabley, he'll get it, we have... Uh, as I said again, the, the big Benson Anderson-Peter Queeley fight, it'd be hard to deny Queeley a title fight, I think again after that, considering he's one and one with the champion, although the champion has another fight coming up uh, pretty soon. But if Patricky holds on to that title, uh, Peter Queeley's one and one with him has just beaten Vincent Henderson. That fight kind of, especially with the push they're giving in Ireland, let's be honest with that, that's a fight that I think they will make. And if Vincent Henderson wins that fight, they're just after re signing him. I'm sure he wasn't on the cheap. Uh, and they wouldn't mind having Vincent Henderson as champion, I don't think. And him versus Patricky is, uh, is a pretty good matchup. So. Uh, but you know, if some buts are very easy to say, if if Shabley goes in there, if Primus goes in there and wins this fight, well, they could be next in line. They could be, you know, they could be that next guy. Um, it's it. Look, it's an interesting matchup with Bryn Primus. I I always go back and I watch his fights. He's thirty seven years of age now as well, though, and he, he he's a very different fighter. Than most fighters, <laughs> you know, he is a guy who will, you know, he, does he have a go-go bladder win? He does have a go-go bladder win, doesn't he? Yeah, against Tim Wilde uh, back in uh, Bellator, Birmingham in 2019. He's wins via neck crank, neck cranked uh, Chris Bungard. You know, the, we all know about the, the Michael Chandler leg injuries that was inflicted by him. Uh, victory there. He can kind of do it all and do it in very different ways, and he throws himself down and he, you know, to get submissions and he'll pull guard and he'll do every sort of thing to make it tough. Whereas on the other side of it, I think Shabley is more of like a straight up fighter. Now, he, not necessarily just like he, he can do it all. You know, he can throw a few wild kicks and punches, and obviously a very good wrestler and things as well. But uh, some fighters when they spend their whole career being a good fundamental fighter they're thrown in there against someone look at the lads behind me here MVP and others they're thrown in there against fighters like that and it, it kind of takes them out of their game they don't know what they're doing they, they can't get their straight up game going because the person isn't straight up in front of them and Primus is a little bit like that he's you know he he's not going to be where you expect him to be at times and maybe he doesn't come off as that sort of fighter because he's like the I don't know, the hard-nosed American, maybe, <laughs> or something like that, but he is that sort of fight. No, he's not going around throwing wheel kicks like MVP, or although he does a bit of that the other time. But, um, yeah, he is, he is an odd fighter, but a fighter I really like watching, and uh, 
he do you know what he beats more good guys than he loses to so you know i think shabley is a fantastic fighter we'll uh, we'll see how this one uh, on goes here uh, next on the card, Brendan Ward is back again. He's fighting Cassius Kane here, uh, 35 year old, coming in to make his uh, his Bellator debut here. He's fought, you know, he's fought around. He's fought for the last what nine years or so, and you know some of the the guys in the local scene. He's fought, but he's he's good wins as well over a few guys. He's beaten Mackie Patolo, who fought that Eagle FC card a while ago and was very impressive. Um, as I said, his first fight in in. Uh, Bellator, but he has fought in LFA uh, and other places as well. Lost his last three fights in LFA, but beat Jordan Larson before that and has another couple of wins there as well. Um, as I said, that Mackie Patolo victory, you know, knocked him out in five seconds of the uh, of the second round after losing to him in the fight before that. But Brendan Ward, we all saw him coming back in his last fight and he looked phenomenal. He looked strong, he looked muscular. Uh, and you know I might be a bit biased here because Irish Brendan Ward, but no, he lo- he looked very very good against uh, Brandon Bell, who was obviously very much uh, overmatched. Um, I-, I wouldn't say Cassius Kane is necessarily as as overmatched as Bell was, but it's it's not. You know, you're not sticking Brendan Ward in there against one of the best. What's the, oh, I'm just looking at what weight class this is. I'll check now for for sure in a second. But um, I know he's fought up at 185, but did, did, yeah, this is our welterweight. So you're not sticking him in there, you know, against uh, an MVP or a Jason Jackson or anything like that. You're giving him, uh, you know, uh, the next fight to get him to where he needs to be on his rise, kind of back to where he once was. And that that's good to me. And I, I think, uh, look, I think even if he never gets there, or even if he doesn't want to get there, maybe I think Bellator are happy to have Brendan Ward, Brendan Ward uh, on their cards and they're happy to push him and they're happy to be, to have him as kind of a special guy because I, I think he is you know he's no uh, my guy Nolan King over in Majunki wrote a great article about him uh, about you know his troubles outside of the cage and different things like that and you know his retirement and he's obviously hashtag in my retirement he came back um, and we, we talked about the last win but he, Bellator are good at promoting those guys you know they're good at as well, you know, be, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll put it to you this way. I, I saw a tweet earlier on and someone was talking about Yuri Pahachka. Uh, maybe he was on, I don't know, was he on, did an interview or something, but he said, oh, I would love to fight whoever in the Czech Republic, right? Go back to my home country and fight in the Czech Republic. The UFC aren't going to do that in 100 years. It's something, look, they did it with McGregor, they did it with um, in Cleveland with Stipe. Where else Where else have they done it? No, okay, the, the pandemic has stopped them doing it over the last couple of years, but they they really they were really bad at doing things like that. Like really, really bad at doing things like that. Whereas um whereas Bellator will have James Gallagher in Dublin. They will have Peter Queeley headlining cards there, you know, keep Kiefer Crosby uh before and all the you know the Bellator Dublin guys and they will put on I, I think he's he's in Brennan local to, to the Mohegan Sun and all over there. They will have those sort of guys, and back in the day, even when they were going different places, they had the local guys on the card. And, you know, I think that's great for the, as someone who's been to loads of Bellator shows now at this stage, it's great for the in-arena people. And we have to think of him as well, as well as us sitting there watching at home. You know, I'm sure there's someone on this card who I just kind of mentioned their name and kind of flipped over, whereas there's probably people, maybe not so much in the Mohegan Sun, because that's kind of their, their base. But if it was in... 
let's say they had it in Birmingham in in, uh, in England or they had it in Cleveland or wherever, they would have a local guy from Cleveland or in Hawaii, they had lots of local people there and they do a great job of that and I think Brendan Ward can be that but also can be the kind of the Bellator guy who people like and the guy who's been around for a long time as well. So uh, I like the way the Bellator do that and they're doing that very, very well. Right, the top three fights and these are all absolute bangers and now maybe not necessarily striking bangers or anything like that but bangers in terms of matchups and i oh i love them um let me talk about Higo versus Sabatello first. Obviously, Danny, Danny Sabatello, 12-1 and one now. I think for a lot of people, he kind of broke onto the scene after beating Jarnell Lugo last time and started fucking and blinding. But, you know, Brett Johns, obviously, from this side of the world, I, I watched him obviously fight that fight. I went back and watched, I think it was, was it the one uh, fight in Titan FC. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was a different fight. Uh, but anyway, he you know, He's he's kind of always been the same sort of fighter. He'll pick you up, he'll take you down, and he'll burst your head on the ground. You know, fighting out of American top team, he's really, really good at that. Just really good at that, and he takes no prisoners, and he asks no questions, and he's just that. You know, I mentioned hard-nosed American wrestler. That's exactly what you're getting with Danny Sabatella. That's exactly what he is, you know, wearing these sunglasses, you know, probably watching the Jersey Shore, listening to Polly D spinning a few records and stuff, you know, that's what Danny, that's what Danny Sabatella is. Leander, he go on the other side of it then. He's a guy I find a little bit harder to gauge. You know, he's had some brilliant wins over the last while. Uh, beat um, Darian Caldwell, beat R- Ricky Bendejas. I watched that fight earlier on today, beat Sean Bunch. Okay, he lost to Caldwell before that in Pico, but, you know, he's some very good wins beating Stephen Peterson and Tarion Ware and others back in the day. Obviously, we know him on the ground. He's brilliant. Uh, 12 submission wins. The second he got uh, Bandeas to the ground, it was, it was all over and he's brilliant there. Fighting out of the people, brothers, now, and they were talking about that in the commentary in that Bandeas fight I was watching. And you know what? He kind of, I think it was Josh Thompson said he looks like one of the Pico, or the Pico brothers, the Pitbull brothers, in the way he approached it, and that he's kind of waiting and waiting and waiting, and boom. And for him, it's usually, maybe not a big shot, but usually a takedown, or usually getting into someone else's area where he can kind of, maybe not necessarily take them down, but put them in an area where he can pull guard, or trip them, or do whatever he needs to do. And do you know what? I love fighters like that. I really love those smart, intelligent fighters who wait and play their game and can get a person in, uh, or an opponent even, in a position where they don't want to be very, very slyly. And I mean that as an absolute compliment. And Higo is one of those people. He absolutely is. But you can't do anything sly against Sabatello because he'll be right in your face. There'll be no setting up here. There'll be no uh, keeping Sabatello at the end of a jab or waiting for him to do something. He will be coming forward and he'll be doing something all night and all fucking day. And that makes this a very intriguing fight because can he go like turn him around on the ground and, you know, get on his back and get a submission or can he get something from the bottom or will it just be Sabatello taking him down on top and and destroying him there you know i i i don't know i don't know and that's why i wanted you in to watch this fight and it's a very very intriguing fight for me on the feet uh, i think ego can do good things but he's very safe and as i said again i don't think f- fighting sabatello is a safe thing to do to be honest um so i i think I, I think he'll be looking for big shots when Sabatello comes in, looking to get on top, looking to kind of push that head down uh, and push Sabatello to the ground and get on top of him or take his back or something like that. But um, 
a very interesting fight. Obviously, the, you know, the Bantamweight tournament going on now as well, and this is Sabatello had to break his way into it, but now he's in it, and here we go against Eagle. Another Bantamweight tournament fight, uh, Magomed Magomedov, it is, isn't it? I'm not mistaken, uh, against Enrique Barzola, and my God, my God. Uh, <laughs> Enrique Barzola might be my favorite fighter in Bellator, I think. I love his style. Um, he is a truly brilliant fighter, 18, 5, and 2. You know, he has nine decision wins, but God almighty, I guarantee you all those nine decisions are ones you'd want to watch. He beat Nikita Mikhailov in his last fight, who beat Brian Moore before that, who's a very good fighter. Um, you know, his only losses over the last while are to Kevin Aguilar and Movsar Ivalev, who's one of the top prospects in all of the UFC. You know, he beaten Darian... Um, Darian Caldwell in his first fight over uh, in Bellator. He beaten Chris Avia, Gabriel Bar- uh, uh, Benitez, and a few more as well. I just love his look. I love his style. He's a come forward, very hard to take down. Lands a lot of shots. Once he gets you to the ground, he can submit you or he can get on top of you. Lands lots of shots on the ground as well. This man throws, uh, you know, he's as much volume as a tank. You know, <laughs> it's just nonstop. Um, and in Magomed Magomedov, you can probably guess by the name, <laughs> he's a wrestler. And he is the guy, who, as we all probably know at this stage, who uh, beat Peter Yan. And he was the only guy at one stage to beat Yan. But obviously, you know, we um, uh, Aljamain Sterling has done that twice now, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, you know, Yan beat him as well, so I'm not saying that. But he lost his last fight, last fight to Rafian Stotts who is a fantastic wrestler as well, but a well-rounded fighter and, and can fight, you know, well-rounded. You know, he can fight on the feet and he can, he can strike and do it all. And he beat him in the wrestling department. He beat him to the wrestling department and he won that fight. And I don't think necessarily that Barzola will be able to do the same thing. Um, I, I think, look, I, I actually do think he will stop some takedowns. I think he has very good takedown wins, and I think he's going to make it very tough for him on the feed. But Magomedov is one of those guys who never gives up on the takedown. And uh, anyone who listens to any of my podcasts know I love a fighter like that. So I love a fighter like Magomedov, and I, you know, I've just said Barzola is one of my favorite fighters. This is going to be an unmerciful battle. Like, it's going to be a battle for the takedown. It's going to be a battle to stop the takedown. It's going to be a battle for Barzola to land enough damage that he's winning rounds. That even if Magomed, Magomedov gets a takedown and gets on top of him, his top control shite won't be enough to win the fight. You know? He will need to throw elbows. He will need to turn submission attempts. He will need to do stuff with that top control to win a round. A magnificent fight, a great fight, and I really, really uh, cannot wait for it. And uh, these two Bantamweight fights are, are very good. And in the main event, uh, Gegard Musasi yet again fighting and defending his middleweight title. It feels like Gegard Musasi is fighting every couple of weeks, but he fought back in February uh, in the fight I was at against Austin Vanderford, fought in back in August of 2021 against John Salter, and there was a bit of a break in back to October 2020 when he fought uh, Douglas Lima, but you know from obviously from august last year up until uh, up until now that's what uh august september october november december four ten months three three title defenses in ten months in modern mma that's an awful lot now maybe before ever you know putting your title on the line every three months wouldn't be a big thing but now it is you know and what is he about four months out now uh, and it's great to see him doing it you know as as uh, 36 years of age 
he's going for his 50th win here so that's a big dig as well and he's doing it against Johnny Eblen who's never faced defeat 30 years of age 11 and 0 one submission 5 KOs 5 decisions um, and he is he's an interesting fighter because he's I think he's very similar to Austin Vanderfort who unfortunately like, got he got injured I'm pretty sure at the very start I, I think he got like um uh, a stinger or something at the very start of that fight and it was unfortunate so I don't think there's actually too much you can read uh, into that fight in terms and no I'm not taking anything away from Musasi but in terms of how you would read in to this fight um, I think and actually I, I haven't watched back the Salter fight I, I saw it when it happened back in March but I, I watched so many fights now I can't remember and Bellator amazingly don't have that fight up maybe by the time this comes out they will but I went back and I watched the, the Davis fight I went back and watched the hook body fight um, and what I see is a very good wrestler and I, I actually watched the fight from when was it a few years ago um, it was when he went 6 and oh, whatever fight that was uh, and his striking then, even there wasn't much of it because he got 15 minutes of takedowns, um, his striking then, compared to his striking in the Colin Hookbody fight, which he ended in a minute and 11 seconds, is day and night. It really is day and night. So he is not just a guy. And now if you look at some of his older fights, he's a guy who literally is just a pick you up, take you down, ride out on top, and, you know, win probably a decision. Because... The, he's so grapple heavy and he's so control heavy that it's almost impossible for his opponent to land any damage and he goes for the, uh, the takedowns very quickly as well so um, he he has improved his striking and that's something he's going to need against Musasi Musasi is very good takedown defense obviously very good striking himself very good wrestling himself as well but he has been trying to land bigger harder more concussive blows in his last few fights and it's worked pretty well for him and I think that will be probably his key again here against Eblen. I think he'll stop the takedown or try to stop the takedown and land some big shots. And Eblen, what Lee be trying to do, he'll be trying to get the takedown. Uh, I would favor Musasi in a big way, but I I believe in Eblen's ability as well. He really has some very, very good ability and he beat John Salter last time on, as I said. That video hopefully will be up by the time maybe this comes out or, or just after it. But, um, you know, probably a bigger test uh, on paper and in in analysis for Musasi than it is, well, better in analysis than it is on paper, let's put it that way. Because, okay, he's 11-0, ha, has never really beaten anyone that good, but he is a good fighter and he is a very good wrestler. And we've seen Musasi in the past four, I actually asked him about it before the Vanderford fight when I was in the same room as him above in Dublin where he's lost to, you know, was it, I don't know if it was, he lost to Mohamed uh, Lowell um, and he lost to a, a couple of other Rafael Lovato Jr. Uh, obviously Jacare as well, but look, those are sparse <laughs> and those are few and far between. But if Eblen can get him down, can get on top of him, there is a path to victory for him there and uh, we might be seeing a new champion, but I, I don't think we will. Um, Alright, that is it from me for this week's Bellator preview. It's a pretty good card. Love those Bantamweight fights. Be interesting test for Katsangana. You have the up-and-comers on the undercard and you have Gegard Musasi defending his title in the main event. I am Sean Sheehan for Sherdog.com and I'll see you all next time.